Thank you, guys. Good morning. Um, it's really good to be back here. This place has such a special place in my heart. I remember when I was a new mom with my first child, and I was insecure. I thought I was doing everything wrong. I was at home and lonely, and places like this, this community of women that were speaking truth into my life and that were going through those with me just meant so much and were invaluable at the time. So y'all have shaped me and formed me. My mentor mom, Liz, has spoken truth into my life when I needed to hear it. Um, serving under Ashley's leadership for years, she has taught me how to serve and lead with grace and then just getting to know so many of y'all. Y'all are a blessing to me and have a special place in my heart. You will always be my family and I just want you guys to know that your leaders care about you. They put their time, energy, they pray for y'all regularly. They put so much into making this happen for you guys and they love you. So before you leave today, thank one of your leaders. Tell them thank you for everything they do because they just have hearts to serve and they do this for free. No one gets paid for anything they do here. This is all just to serve y'all because they care about you and they want there to be a place that moms can go and connect and enjoy each other. So thank your leaders today. So I'm hoping you all know by now that the theme for MOPS this year is to the full. I hope you've talked about that. And then every year, MOPS International, under the theme, they come up with three other tenants of what that's going to look like for the year. So this year, to the full, and then the three tenants are have more fun, fear less, and we will find our people. And so I want to talk about have more fun. So I'm a year, word of the year person. I don't know if you guys do that, but I've done it for six years in a row. I get a word for the year, really focus on it. And a few years ago, my word for the year was play. And that year changed my life. It's probably one of my favorite years of my life. I encountered the Lord in just deep ways that I never had before. And so I wanna talk about that with you today. So when I use the term play, or when I use the phrase have more fun, those are pretty much interchangeable. They're all the same idea and the same, con same concept that we're going for here. So it all started, I was listening to a podcast one day. The podcast was a woman talking about wholehearted people. She's a researcher, she interviews thousands and thousands of people, and then she was figuring out what are all the common things within people that live life with their whole heart. I mean, don't we all wanna live wholehearted? Doesn't that sound really good? And so she came up with 10 guideposts for what a wholehearted person has in their life. And there are things like, faith, that's one of them. I'm like, okay, I have that, I'm good. And she keeps going on authenticity. I'm like, I probably have some of that. Maybe I've got this wholehearted thing down. And then she comes and says, play. And then after she says, play, she says, play is time without purpose. And I'm like, hmm, what is that? I don't really know what time without purpose is. If you know me, I am the most intentional, purposeful person there is. I mean, I've created the intentional daily journal because I'm an intentional, purposeful person. Everything I do has purpose. I like to work out. I work out so that I look good and I'm healthy. I like to read. I read so that I get smarter and I can grow. Um, even when I say I'm going to play with my kids, I think in my head, I want to connect with my kids. What can I do? I'm going to get down on the ground for the next 20 minutes and play and engage my kids. So not really that purposeless thing that she's talking about. Even when I'm playing, it's purposeful in my head. I purpose that I'm going to do this. And so I'm thinking about this. I'm like, what is that? I don't even know what time without purpose looks like. But if play is a necessary component of being a wholehearted person, I kind of want to understand that. I want to know what that looks like. I want to experience that and see if that helps me live a wholehearted, a more wholehearted life. So then a couple weeks later, I'm having breakfast with a friend, my pastor's wife at the time. We sit down, order our food, and then she looks at me and she says, Shannon, I know you are a woman who always has a plan. So what do you want to talk about today? 
funny thing is, I had actually come with a list of five things that I wanted to talk about with her at breakfast that morning. And I want to say that she meant this as a compliment. She meant this, that like, you have a plan, you show up prepared, I know that about you, what are we gonna do today? And normally I would have received that statement as a com compliment because I know like, I'm proud that I get stuff done. I mean, I enjoy that aspect of myself, but it's also probably my greatest weakness also that I can be so purposeful. And so that day, instead of taking it as a compliment, it was God speaking to my heart saying, listen to this. Like maybe there's another way of doing things than how you do things. Maybe you could have showed up to breakfast and just been present and not had a plan and just enjoyed her and it would have been fine. Breakfast still would have gone fine. So that day got my attention, made me start thinking about, okay, I really, really do have this purpose problem thing going on. Next thing that happens a couple weeks later, my husband is talking to some of our friends. He's talking about a trip that we're about to go on to the beach. And he's like, I am just looking forward to hanging out with vacation Shannon. And he's like, she is just so fun and lighthearted. She's not running around doing all the things in the house. She like sits down, engages the kids, talks to me, looks in my eyes. Um, I'm just more spontaneous on vacation. I mean, I'm hoping some of y'all feel me on that. And he's like, I just can't wait to hang out with vacation Shannon. I'm like, okay. So apparently I'm capable of this type of play heart posture. I just don't do it in my everyday life. I only do it on vacation. So I know I'm capable of it. And I'm like, I start asking myself, what would it look like to bring elements of vacation Shannon into my everyday life? Are there ways that I can disengage from my responsibilities and enter into play a little bit more, even amidst my own house? So then I hit what I would consider my rock bottom of realizing how much I was addicted to productivity at the time. Some of you know this story, so you might already laugh when I start telling it, but it was my 10 year anniversary and the grandparents had the kids for the weekend and my husband and I were having a staycation at our house in New Orleans. And so we wake up Saturday morning and it's the first day with no kids. And you guys are moms, when you wake up, I mean, I hit the ground running every morning. My kids are like, I need breakfast, I need clothes, I need this, and I'm doing all the things. And so I wake up in response mode every morning doing things. My kids get up at like four or 5 a.m. So I don't get to sit and drink coffee. I wake up and they are already full swing. Um, so I wake up our anniversary morning and I don't know what to do with myself. My house is quiet things are still and I just, there's like this unrest in my heart. I'm, no one needs me. And so I do what anyone would do the morning of their 10 year anniversary. I start compulsively cleaning everything in my house. <laughs> no? Okay. Um, let's also preface this with, I'm not a cleaner. Like I don't enjoy cleaning. It doesn't give me life. I don't really ever deep clean my house. So this is not a healthy thing for me or a fun thing for me. This is like, I need to be needed, I need to do something important. Okay, I'm gonna clean the house, that's important. So I'm finding my identity in my life through what I'm doing. So I'm running around cleaning the house, which is totally out of character for me. And my husband's just like watching me with his eyebrow up, like what's going on? Um, so then I get this great idea. I have never once washed my curtains. And don't all responsible adults wash their curtains? Doesn't that sound like something that adults should do? Wash their curtains. Let's say that I have high ceilings, 12 foot ceilings. So getting my curtains down requires a ladder. I'm like, I am going to do this. I'm going to wash my curtains. I get a ladder out, climb the ladder, start taking the curtains down. My husband stands up and he's like, no, you're, you're not gonna do that right now. I was like, what? Like, wait, wait, are you the boss of me? Like it started this whole thing, ladies. I mean, you probably know, maybe I'm the only one that goes there, but when someone tells me I can't do something, I'm like, oh no, I'm doing this, this is happening. And I'm like, well, if I don't do this now, when am I gonna do this? When the kids are home and they're running around my house, I'm not gonna do this. So if I don't do this today, these curtains are not getting washed and these curtains need to be washed. 
Anyway, ends up in this big fight. We fight for a couple hours on our 10-year anniversary. Let's not lose sight of that. And then we, finally we come around. We go to the gym. We hang out together. We think it's under the rug. We go to dinner at Commander's that night. And it comes up again at Commander's Palace. And we are arguing at Commander's on our 10-year anniversary. I'm crying in my turtle soup. And it was not the anniversary that I want to remember. Um, so that was my wake-up call. That was when I finally snapped out of it a couple, couple days later and realized my husband was just looking out for my heart. He wasn't my enemy. He wasn't trying to stand in my way between me and clean curtains. He really just wanted to support me and see me in a healthy place, see me rest, enjoy him, enjoy our anniversary. And so that's when I realized I was so addicted to productivity and tasks and all of that that I couldn't even rest for 10 minutes on the morning of my anniversary and just be in my house. And so I was like, we have a problem. Like, this is definitely a problem here. Um, and so I was like, well, that whole play thing I heard about, like maybe I need some of that in my life. I need to learn what that is. I need to figure out what that looks like. So before I hit that rock bottom, I used to think that play was for lazy people, that it was frivolous, that it was unimportant, um, that it was a waste of time, that that's what you do when all the work is done. But you know all the work is never done because there's always something else to do. So basically you never play. Like play, I don't know who has time to play. It's basically my heart posture before all of this. So then I get, begin to get open to the idea of play. So a couple weeks later, I'm looking at Instagram, I'm watching stories, and one of my friends has this story of her and her kids in their jammies, and they are just dancing and having a good time and laughing and having fun, and I just keep watching it over and over again. I can't figure out why, but I am drawn to this. Like, I cannot look away from the story, and I'm just watching it and watching it and watching it, and then God speaks to my heart, and he's like, see, that's play. That right there that's going on that's so confusing to you that you're just staring at and wonder, that's what play looks like. I was like, oh, huh, okay. And he's like, see, notice they're laughing. Like laughing, laughing is a signal of play. He's like, notice what they're doing. They're lighthearted, they're smiling. And I'm like, okay, okay, I've seen this play thing now. I think I, think I might be able to do that. Thank you, God, thank you for that. Um, so I learned through that that laughter or that play is lighthearted, spontaneous, and joyful. So then I'm like, I am going to play. I'm going to do this thing. So a couple weeks later, I go to the park with my husband and my kids and some of our best friends. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this play thing down. I watch my kids. I see what they do. And I do those things. So I climb a tree. I swing. I do the seesaw. I do all this stuff. Then I go to my husband and I'm like, okay, I did this, this, and this, and this. Did I play? My husband shakes his head and looks down. And he's like, if you have to try, then it's not play. And it comes back to the definition of it being purposeless. And it wasn't purposeless. I was purposing to play and still trying to play rather than just having a light heart and entering into the moment. So I was still getting it wrong. So I learned from that conversation that play is a heart posture. It's not the activity that you do, but it's how your heart receives in the moment. So just like you can go on vacation and never truly be at rest while you're on vacation, you can do an activity, a game, or a sport, but never truly be at play if your heart isn't present and entering into the moment. So I learned that I still had a little bit more to learn about play. Um, play is spontaneous. It usually requires margin, and then it's just your heart making that decision in that moment. So my approach was still a little bit off. So over the course of my year of play, I learned that the more I saw opportunities to play and engage them, the better I got at seeing opportunities in the future, and the better I got at actually taking those opportunities again. So it was like muscle memory. The more I did it, the better I got. And if someone like me, who could ruin their 10-year anniversary because they couldn't just be, can learn to play, then I'm, there's hope for all of y'all, I promise. Um, 
So that's what I learned about play. I want to talk about a couple other definitions from a couple other people. There's Dr. Stuart Brown. He is a huge play researcher, and he has given a few different, seven different signs that are present, I guess, in actual play. And so I want to share those with you. One, play is purposeless. It's something we do because we enjoy doing it, not because it has practical value. Two, play is voluntary. There's no coercion or requirement to participate. Three, it has inherent attraction. It's fun and exciting. It's something you want to do. Four, it gives a sense of freedom from time. When immersed in play activities, minutes flow smoothly and we lose track of their passing. Five, there is a diminished consciousness of self. We lose all self-consciousness and live fully in the moment. Six, play has improvisational potential. Play allows us to break out of old mindsets and opens us to new ways of doing things. And seven, play provides continuation desire. It's something you want to keep on doing. So those were the things I was kind of missing in my attempts to try to play and make play happen. I want to read you a quote about the, some of the benefits of play. This is from the Association for Play Therapy. They say that play is fun, enjoyable activity that elevates our spirits and brightens our outlook on life. Play relieves feelings of stress and boredom, connects us to people in a positive way, stimulates creative thinking and exploration, regulates our emotion, emotions, boosts our ego. In addition, play allows us to practice skills and rules needed, needed for survival, and learning and development are best fostered through play. So those are all good things. We could all use more of those good things, right? And we could get them through having some play in our life. So I want to talk about play in a couple different areas. Play in parenting, play at work, play in relationships. And the last one's going to be a little bit scary, so we're going to leave it last and warm you up with the first three, and then we'll get to the last one. But the last one is play in our relationship with God. So that might be like a little uncomfortable terminology for some people, but we're going to go there. So we'll get used to this concept first. First of all, play in parenting. So play bonds, the parent and the child, when you play with your children. Also, play stimulates brain growth. There's been scientific studies that when you're playing, whether you're an adult or child, it activates certain parts of the brain and stimulates brain growth. So it's really good for children's development and learning. There was a study done of schools in which they added unstructured playtime into the school day. And throughout that study, they found the schools that had added in the unstructured play, the students felt more secure not just while they were playing, but throughout the whole day. They felt more secure as a whole. The teachers recovered instructional time, so that's because the kids got their energy and creativity out during playtime. During the instructional time, the kids were ready to focus and be present. It increased vigorous physical activity, which of course is a good thing for everyone, and bullying decreased 43% in those schools. So play had a huge impact in the schools and it has huge impact on children's lives. I used to think that my husband was the fun one, that he was the only one that could play with the kids. I was the person that got stuff done, was the responsible one, and he was the one that could be playful and fun. And then that year of play, he challenged me. He said, your kids are getting older. I have three boys, my oldest is nine. He said that the ways you used to connect with them as a mom by providing for their needs are gonna change. You're not gonna have those same avenues to connect with them because they can kind of take care of themselves now. And if you don't find ways to connect with them, you're going to lose them. Like that relationship is going to suffer. So you've got to probably step out of your comfort zone and start doing things that you haven't always been comfortable with. So I was like, okay, this is my year of play. I can do this. And so I decided that when my boys asked me to do things, even if they were out of my comfort zone and crazy and something that might make me look silly or childish or ridiculous or that I might be really bad at, I was going to do it. 
So over the course of that year, I did a couple random things out of my character. One day we were at the park as a family, and my husband and my sons are throwing acorns at each other. It started with there was a trash can, and they're throwing them in the trash can, seeing who can make it. But then next thing you know, they're throwing them at each other, having an acorn war. I'm like, I can do this. I can play. I can have an acorn fight. And so I did it. And it was, it was really fun and really silly and really purposeless. And it bonded us. Like, I felt closer to them after. We got them laser guns, and I learned how to play laser tag with them, hiding around the house, ducking behind couches, shooting them with laser guns. We did Nerf Wars, and for Christmas that year, we got them a Super Mario system, and I, or a Nintendo with a Super Mario game, and I had had that game as a child, had not played it since I was in elementary school, and I would spend hours sitting beside my child playing Super Mario 3, and I still remembered all the secret passages and everything from when I was a kid. It was super crazy. My husband was like, I've never seen you sit on a couch for so long in your life as I would sit there for an hour and play Mario. He's like, I don't know who this is because that's not my wife. But I did. I did these things with my kids, and I found new ways to bond with them. And again, it wasn't the things I thought, oh, I'm going to think up this great thing, and we're going to do that. It was the moments where I just said yes in the moment. Mom, can you play video games? Yes, I will play video games. Yes, I will do this. So being open to what it looked like in our family. Play is going to look different in every family, depending on your dynamics. Um, I just encourage you to figure out what it looks like for you, to be present, to say yes when you can. Um, also, I don't want this to sound condemning, but the question I was asking myself and challenging myself with was, do I want my kids to remember me as the person who always did all the things? and was really good at doing all the things? Or do I want my kids to have memories of playing with me? And hey, remember that one time mom got on the floor and did this, or mom was really silly and hit me in the head with the acorn or whatever it is. Um, and so I'm slowly still learning how to do that with them. So play at work. I read a quote, or actually heard a quote on a TED Talk that said, the opposite of play isn't work, the opposite of play is depression. And that caught my attention because until then I always thought play, work, play, work. I was like, huh. And so if you realize that the opposite of play isn't work, then you can start weaving play into your work. And you know what I learned that year is that work becomes a lot more fun once you have play woven in. Um, one experience of that was Renee and I, who's sitting in the back, do homeless outreach every Tuesday. And we normally show up, we make a bunch of tacos, homeless people come, we feed them the tacos. And this one Tuesday, we get there early, we're all in the back. What could have been boring, just making a bunch of tacos and we'll chit chat a little bit as we do it, someone put on this loud music and we are all like making tacos and singing and dancing and having a great time and it was silly. We probably looked awful. It could be a viral video, but it was really fun and it showed me that you can work and play at the same time. So whether your work is stuff that you do at home or whether you work in an office, it might not look like that, but you can find ways to incorporate play into it. If you have to clean up the house, maybe you put on loud music as you do it. Um, if you have to go to the grocery store, maybe you make up a scavenger hunt along the way with your kids or something like that. There's ways that you can incorporate play into it. If you have a business, you could start a meeting off with a joke or with a game or move it to a different location. Take your meeting to a park and just change it up and figure out how to incorporate play into it. If you know me or if you follow me on social media, I have this hashtag called dinner done by 9 a.m. Before there was dinner done by 9 a.m., there was hashtag work before play. So this was my, the old Shannon, the old way of being. I would wake up first thing in the morning, I would do the laundry, cook dinner, pay all the bills, do everything I could do around the house, and I'd say, okay kids, when all the work is done, we will go to the park. So I would do all the stuff, and then I'd do my Facebook post, hashtag work before play. And again, like I said earlier, if you wait till all the work is done to play, you're never gonna play, because there's always one more thing. But that was my thing back then. 
And then to further illustrate another point with that, I think that people see the world probably more through the lens of work or through the lens of play. And so I would do my big post with all the things and I would do hashtag work before play. My husband would look at that post and he never saw the word work. He looked at that hashtag and he saw foreplay, I'm in. And <laughs> so I think that some people have eyes to see the fun and the play in life and then some people have eyes to see the work. And I definitely had eyes to see the work, but I think if we're aware of our lens, we can enter into the other one and make more of an effort. So work before play, no. You can figure out how to weave play into your work. There was studies of play being added into corporate cultures and the workplaces where again, like the schools, they had unstructured playtime added into their day. And the offices who did that, they found that there was reduced stress and anxiety in the office. There was increased employee morale and view of company, that the employees built friendship and had a more sense of teamwork. There was decreased turnover, increased employee engagement, and it sparked creative thinking for them to come back at their work with new ideas and new approaches. So that's all the benefits of play in the workplace. Okay, so let's talk about play and relationships. As we already talked about with the ch child and parent, play bonds people. So whether you're talking about a marriage or a friendship, any of that, play is going to bond you and draw you together. It's going to keep things fresh and exciting. It's going to remove walls, disarm, and heal. And I'm not necessarily so great at doing this, but my husband is. He's really good at if me or the boys are in a funk and we're just in a mood, kind of barking at everyone, snapping at everyone, he will playfully engage us. He will tickle us or he'll make a silly face or he'll tell a joke or say something that he knows is going to make us laugh. And so it disarms the whole situation. What could have turned into a fight, what could have turned into two people yelling at each other, he'll get playful and then it kind of diffuses everything and you get your heart gets lighter and you lighten up and you stop taking yourself so seriously and all those things you were saying in your head about you did this to me. Like it just lightens it all up and it doesn't always work, but it does work some of the time. And so play will diffuse the situation. It will help your relationships. One thing I found really helpful over my year of play was to have a play mentor. So I had friends that were really good at play. They were a little bit younger than me. They didn't have kids yet, so they were a little bit more lighthearted. One of them is an Enneagram 7. So if you know about the Enneagram, he's all about having all the fun all the time. And so we just hung out with them. And I would decide, just like with my kids, I'm going to do what they do. Like, I'd hung out with them before and seen them have dance parties in the kitchen. I'd be like, that's great for you. You have your dance party in the kitchen. I'm going to sit right here so I don't act a fool and look a fool in front of all of you guys. And so this year of play, I decided I was going to do those things. And I did. So one day we played basketball in the rain as a community group. One day we went on a retreat. And we decided we were going to do headstands and teach each other how to do headstands. So we did that. And then we ended up doing cartwheels down the hill outside the house we stayed in. And I had not done cartwheels since I was in elementary school. And let me tell you, they are a workout. The next day, my lat muscles were sore. Like apparently those things are no joke. It's, it's real. But we were doing cartwheels and it was so much fun. And we laughed and we were falling and it was a little bit ridiculous. But it was really fun. Um, basically just having friends that are really good at playing and being around them and spending time with them was really good for my heart. I would show up for dinner and they'd be like, we're going to have a dance party in the kitchen right now. And I was like, well, I can't say no. So I guess we will. And we have it on video and I, my moves are not that good, but I did it and I entered into the moment. So think about what it looks like to make space to play in your relationships. One other thing before that, we have a weekly community group that meets at our house every Sunday. And I'm all about deep, intentional conversation. So every Sunday, I was like, we have to have this deep time of bonding, of sharing our hearts, of having like the best theology conversations. And I was, I really held our Sunday nights 
hostage to that vision that I had. Like, I want these to all be the most deep and meaningful night ever, every Sunday. And after my year of play and realizing how beneficial play can be for relationships, I decided that we were going to do a game night one Sunday a month. So one Sunday a month, instead of doing our deep conversation, we did a game night. And it helped bond us. It actually created a foundation of fun and playfulness in our relationship so that we had something. Then when we had those deep conversations, we already had this foundation in our relationship to build those deep conversations upon. So I don't think it's ever one or the other. I think it's both. I think within the context of relationship, you should always have play and the other. Okay, so the last one, play with God and what this looks like. So I want to do a visualization exercise. I want everyone to close their eyes for me. Okay, so with your eyes closed, I want you to picture God's face. Picture him looking at you. Take in his expression and his features. Just get a good, vivid picture of him. Feel what he's feeling in his heart for you. Okay, open your eyes. Okay, so we're not going to raise hands because there's no condemnation here. But when someone does something like this, it's said that about 97% of the people in the room will not see God smiling when he's looking at them. They see like a stern, straight face. So we might be a little different in the percentage and the number here. I don't know. But 97% of people see God as sterile and dry and stern. So I just want to ask, what if... He's not. What if that's our limited understanding? What if God is a little more playful than we've experienced or make him out to be? We'll get there. I'll build up some more. I'm not here to convince you that God is playful or fun. What I want to do is tell you to ask him, to open your heart to the idea that he could be, and then ask him, show me if you're fun. Show me how you are, and then see what he says. See what he does. I want to read Psalm 18, 25 through 26. It says, with the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless, you show yourself blameless. With the purified man, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. So this verse basically says that the way we perceive God is how we experience him. He enters into our understanding and reveals himself to us in that way. So if we have this stern, sterile, dry understanding of God, then our relational interaction with him is going to be that kind of interaction. If we have this smiling, happy, playful, delightful view of God, then we're going to meet him in that. A.W. Tozer basically says the same thing, but puts it a little differently. He says, what comes to our minds when we think about God is really the most important thing about us. Because the way we perceive God and then interact with him shapes the way we do everything in the world. If we perceive him as sterile and stern, then we engage others and share him with others. We're doing it in a stern and sterile way. If we engage God as fun and playful and we know what it's like to sit in his arms and just have a blast with him, then we'll introduce others to that same God that we've encountered. So our understanding of God limits our experience of him. If we don't view him as fun and playful, we'll miss out on experience, his fullness, and sharing that fullness of him with others. Zephaniah 3.17 said, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves He will take great delight in you. Great delight in you, in you, in you, in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. I'm going to get a little emotional here, but God rejoices over you with singing. He rejoices over you with singing. Doesn't that sound like a God who's smiling when he looks at you? Why don't we think of him that way? I mean, have you ever seen anyone rejoicing and singing like... (laughs) 
<laughs> it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. So if he's smiling and he's having a good time and he loves us and he cares. And that's how he's coming. That's how he wants to come to you. So again, I'm not going to tell you how to perceive him. I want you to ask him and open up your heart. I just want to pose the question, if what if Jesus is fun? Jesus was known as eating and drinking with sinners, of going to parties, of being at feasts. The children love to come to Jesus. We all have kids. Kids don't like to go up to stir and dry people. They don't. They don't. They're scared and they back away, but they love to come to Jesus. And so just maybe he's fun. Like just maybe he got down on the ground and looked in their eyes and told them a joke and bounced them on his lap because that's the kind of people that children like to interact with. So just maybe, what if he's like that? And so what if Jesus is like that? Colossians 1.15 says, the son is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 2.9 says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. Basically, Jesus is the full representation of God. God's fullness is in him. Everything we know about God, we can see in Jesus. And so if, if Jesus is fun, then so is the Father, and so is the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells the disciples to be like children. Children play. Children look at the world with awe and wonder. Children use their imaginations for, think up imaginary worlds, imaginary friends, for good and for fun and the things, I want to be a ballerina when I grow up, I want to be a doctor. They use their imaginations for good. We as adults tend to use our imaginations for fear and worry and all the things that could go wrong. Well, what if, what if a hurricane comes or what if this happens? And we've taken our imaginations and we've turned them for bad instead of for good. So perhaps we could learn from the children and be more childlike. In the King James Version of the Bible, it says, do not fear or do not be afraid 103 times. Throughout the Bible, Jesus says, fear not. Jesus says, worry not about tomorrow. He says, worry not about your life. I really believe that play is the antithesis of worry and fear. Because I know from my year of play that when I got on a swing and swung for five minutes and then got off, my heart felt lighter. And it's not so much about the play. It's not that play is the solution to our problems. It's that play is a gift from God. We can encounter him in that, and then he takes care of our problems. But play is good. Play is good for our soul and for our heart. In 2 Samuel 6, David danced until his clothes came off. He was having fun. He was having fun with God in God's presence. I have never danced until my clothes came off, so I just imagine he was having a whole lot more fun than I've ever had in my whole life. And so my question for us, like I've said, play and fun are different for everyone, but what would it look like for us to have fun in God's presence? And no one's relationship with him is the same as any other person. So the way you have fun with God is going to be different than the way you have fun with God. It's going to look different for all of us, but what would it look like for us to just enjoy him and be in his fullness? I read this book, Playdates with God. Sounds a little silly. Some of the things were a little silly, but it was just so moving the woman would go jump on a trampoline and decide that she was going to encounter God in that moment, be aware of him, surrender her whole heart to God, and she was just going to jump on a trampoline with him. She had squirt gun fights and did the same thing. She went bird watching and did the same thing. So my question is, what would it look like for you to have a play date with God? What type of thing would you do? What type of thing would he want to do with you? What type of thing would you want to do with him? What would it look like? 
So play is a gift he gives us to experience him and to connect the people around us. When we're so stuck in our self-seriousness, then that puts walls up between us and the other people. And so when we are more playful with God and playful with the people around us, it builds our relationship, it builds connection. And that's really how we love God and love others when we meet them with the fullness of our heart and not just the stern, studious side of us. So there's one phrase I'm gonna want you all to learn. When you see these opportunities come up to play, you're gonna have reasons not to. The kids are gonna say, let's go splash in a puddle. And you're gonna be like, oh, I would get wet. Then I'd have to change and do laundry. And there's gonna be a hundred reasons why you don't do that thing. So I want you to say the phrase, do it anyway. I want you to learn the phrase, do it anyway. And when those moments come up, I want you to say it to yourself. Say, do it anyway. Here's just a couple ideas for ways to have more fun. Again, play and fun are gonna look different for everyone in their life, but this is just ideas to spark some thinking. You can go splash in the puddles. You could have dessert for dinner one night. You could put sprinkles on basically anything and it makes it way more fun. Confetti. Um, you could do it in the dark with glow sticks. Have you all seen the Pinterest thing where the kid takes the bath in the dark bathroom with glow sticks in the bath and baths are so much more fun in the dark with glow sticks? You could do the same thing. You could go play tennis outside in the dark with glow sticks and it, it immediately becomes 100 times more fun than just playing tennis. So in the dark with glow sticks. You could dance in the kitchen. You could watch your kids and see what they do. You can get a pinata. You could get sparklers. You could wear bright colors or sparkly clothes and accessories. Me and a couple ladies here this morning were talking about how we were all wearing black and we wear a lot of black. And I've been reading and learning about the power of color and big, bright, sparkly things, even though I'm still not doing it yet. But you could wear sparkly, bright things and that'll be playful. It'll be more fun. It's a way of playing. You could read a fiction book, try a new restaurant or recipe, do a Nerf gun war, water balloon fight, go to a concert. Those are just some ideas. The key is that you start thinking about what is fun for you and playful for you. If you really need help in that department, you could do a fun journal. So you get a little notebook. Think of times in your life where you were like vacation Shannon, who was lighthearted, and think about those and write them down. You could take notes every day of times that you were smiling or laughing or really present or really enjoyed the moment. And then think about the people you were with, what you were doing, the sights, sounds, smells, note it all down, and then look for common threads and start to figure out what is actually play for you. I don't want you to hear me say that play is the answer to all your problems. Like I said, the answer to all of our problems is Jesus. It's not play, but I really believe that play is a gift from God that he gives us so that we can experience the fullness of him, not just one side of his personality. And I really believe it's important and that that will help us love God and love the people around us. So I have some homework for you guys. I want you to begin to think about what play looks like for you. I want you to spend five minutes playing this week, just five minutes, and then notice how you feel afterwards, whether you get on a swing or get on a trampoline, whatever it is you do, but then notice how you feel afterwards. Notice your senses, how they came alive. Notice what you're thinking about, how your heart is, and just see, just see if it was any different than before. And I want you to have a play date with God. I want you to figure out some way that you can go play and really be aware of him and encounter him in that. And so I want to end with a video. 
kind of like I said in the beginning of my play journey, I saw my friend's video of her dancing with her kids in her pajamas, and God used that video to speak to me. He said, hey, that's play. That right there, that thing that's going on that you are so intrigued by, that is play. So I want to show you a video of what play was for me for 30 seconds of that year, and maybe God will speak to you through it and give you a glimpse of what play is. And I'm going to make a fool out of myself in this video. Is it up there yet? Yes. And it's nothing I would have done before this year of play, but because I was saying yes to everything, I, I seized the moment and it happened and it was fun and I was not hurt in the filming of this video. <laughs> this was actually our kid's birthday party and we decided that we were just gonna have fun and have a war with the gladiator things on the balance beam. And you know what? It was fun. I did it over and over again that night with everyone. And it was very, very fun. I laughed a lot. And I would do it all over again. Um, but thank you for having me. This has been so fun to talk to you guys. And I hope you go out and have a little more fun in your life.